initially it was born to run i can still remember i can still see it right now when when i saw it on the uh this was uh, early uh, sorry about maybe mid 76 thereabouts i was in kalgoorlie the gold mining town i was working there and i went to i'm sure it was kmart and they had a record stand there and i saw the cover for born to run and i went i must have that and i you know in the radio i still make two-thirds of nothing but we do it because we'd kill our grandmother for the right to be on the radio but i said i have to have that record i think it cost me 6.99 i think about 6.99 and i took it home and i i listened to all of it and the first time that i you know that little sound you get when you put the the, the record needle on you get that yes before it starts magical and then the bits between the songs too and I listened all the way through. When I heard Jungle Land, I cried the first time. There you are, I'd admit it. everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson and joining me in this episode we are doing another timey-wimey episode it's my night and my guest morning cliff reeve welcome to the show and thank you very much for asking me. I, uh, I bring you greetings from Western Australia. It's, uh, as we record, it's, it's 10 o'clock Saturday morning. It's the first day of my holiday today for the Christmas break. And I can't think of a better way to spend an hour than with you, Jesse, talking about Bruce Springsteen. Well, thank you. That is very nice of you. Yes, uh, we have actually exchanged, uh, you know, a couple of direct messages on Twitter and like, okay, how do we figure this out? And so uh, absolutely, it, this is great. Um, so let's start out, Cliff, tell us a little about yourself. What's, what's your elevator pitch? Uh, sometimes in the elevator, I'm the one standing at the back corner going, don't look at me, don't come near me, <laughs> stay away. <laughs> I'm okay, this is my protection area in here. Um, <clears throat> now I, I, uh, I'm 62. I've been working in radio in Australia for, well, for a long time. I started when I was 17 in 1976, and I've worked primarily in Western Australia and in Queensland. My show at the moment is heard from 4 till 7 p.m. afternoons, Monday to Friday, virtually all of Western Australia. Uh, there's there's only a couple of little pockets. The city doesn't take my show. I cover all of the regional areas. So it's about, I, I was thinking about it last night before I spoke to you, Jesse. I think it's about like, I don't know, maybe 96% of Western Australia. So there's no escape for these poor people. Um, <laughs> and yes. your, your, your afternoon drive time. Yes, yes. Four Man. till seven in the afternoon, yeah. You are big market, big time, as they say here in Dallas. 
Oh, thank you. I wish someone would uh, hear that and give me a pay rise over here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very, I'm very grateful to have a job within, even within our company, which I won't name. But within our company, there were some people who who lost some jobs. They lost some hours mm. with this dreadful COVID thing. But I'm immensely grateful for the fact that I still have a job. And uh, I wasn't really badly affected by it all. There were some who went through a terrible time. But no, I'm, I'm very grateful to have had a job through this year. And I haven't had a memo. Like I say, today is the first day of my holiday. And I haven't had a memo before I left that said, listen, um, was nice knowing you. We're not sure how we're going <laughs> to, we, we don't know how, how we're going to get along without you next year, but we'll give it a shot. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe someone's got that in their drawer somewhere. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm on holiday for a few weeks. So that's good. You know, what's interesting, Cliff, and, um, Listeners, I promise we'll get to Bruce in a minute, but um, I'm a big, uh, there is a local sports station here in Dallas, uh, Texas called The Ticket. And, um, and they, you know, they joke about, they call it dry dock. They go into dry dock and they're, you know, during, there are a couple weeks in the summer before the uh, Dallas Cowboys go to training camp and mm-hmm. then always the couple weeks at Christmas and it's got something to do with there isn't a radio book during this time in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's the same with you guys. Absolutely the same yes which, okay. seemed, which, which, which all through my career Jesse has seemed kind of strange to me that they don't try and find out what's happening and, and sometimes you know radio stations will We'll say, oh, okay, well, we'll put that program on there. Yeah, all right, that'll, that'll fill for a little while. It seems strange because there's a lot of people who aren't working. You know, kids yes. are not at school. People are not working. So, you know, in a way, you've got to think that the audience could quite feasibly be bigger. And I've never been able to work out why that is the case. But uh, these days I just go, okay, fine. You want to send me on holiday? Thank you. I'll take yeah. that. Yeah, that's the same guys. And then I, I often wonder, um, like, what if you don't want to, like, what if you want to take a week off when, you know, I guess like I want to take a week off in April or, and, and I guess if you've been with the station long enough or the company, you have enough vacation time. And I guess it's just the nature of the business. You know that you're going to get off a couple of weeks uh, during December. Yes. Um, they'll, they'll come back on January 3rd. And they'll, you know, they'll have to catch up on a couple of cowboy games they've missed or whatever other sports stations, you know, whatever sports events they've had. Mm. And um, I, I think it's interesting that Australia, you know, that you guys, it's kind of the same pattern. Yeah, it is. And, and television as well. I mean, television, yeah. of course, absolutely cutthroat, but this is a non-ratings period. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, they, they, they put on the secondary shows and this show mm-hmm. goes into hiatus and that one's yeah. on a break and this one will come back maybe next year. Yeah. It's, a, it's a strange world. These days, unless I've had the memo, I just show up and do, you, do my show. Is it a, are you, is it a um, radio show? Is it a talk show? What kind of uh, radio show is it? Uh, the, these days, it's it's um, it's kind of a magazine format in a way. Okay. I, don't do, I don't do a lot of talk back. Uh, but uh, I, I have, I, you know, I do some political stuff from time to time, talk to some political commentators within Western Australia and okay. also from, um, you know, on international basis. Uh, and also we, we have like a chef comes in and does stuff. We have yeah. a money person. We have okay. uh, TV. But we haven't got a music person yet. I really would like to do a Bruce Springsteen show. Yeah. <laughs> I might yeah. bring that next year. Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, uh, if you need a um, correspondent, you could always, um, you know, reach out to me and we can oh, figure yeah. out a way that to do that, uh, you know, this week in Bruce or this month in Bruce. Um, oh, Jesse, Jesse, I know where you are now. I know where okay. to find you. Yes, you can run, good. but you can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you kind of touched on this already, Cliff, but um, are, are you doing okay this time of COVID? Are you... Are you, you know, my, like I said, the guys that um, on the station I listened to, you know, a lot of them were broadcasting from home. And because yeah. like the morning show, there's three guys and there's so much of the show is, is, is interdynamics. They ended yeah. up finding, they called the bunker where they were all, you know, six, eight feet apart where they could be in the same room and see each other, but not, you know, be socially distant. Um, yeah. Are you, are you going to the uh, studio? Or are you doing from home? For a couple of weeks, I was, I was at home. It was awful. It was just awful. You, you can't do the show probably because I don't have a producer. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, I do the whole thing. Everything's me. Start to finish right. is, is me. And I do kind of like it that way. I don't think I could walk in and have someone say, here you go, Cliff. Here's your show today. I'm like, no, 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 no. But my, my, my wife, we had a suspicion that she might have had it. She actually had a negative test. The doctor never believed that. Okay. She was really, she was quite unwell. Not really, 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 really unwell. Not like I have to get you on a ventilator, but she was pretty yeah. beaten up. And for a couple of weeks, of course, as soon as you say there's a suspicion of COVID, you know, this was back in. Uh, let me see. This might have been May. I think it was May. And so I was just sent home. Go, go, get away for two weeks. And the studio, the, the offices were almost um, almost empty. We have the entire first floor of our building. And during the really bad times, there was only about maybe a quarter of it was being used because people were working from home. These days you can. Uh, but actually doing the show from home was awful. So I was glad that, you know, the, the testing was okay and I was able to go back to work. But as I say, I mean, you know, there, there, there was uh, another fellow who I know was working in Melbourne. He's not on air, but he works in production. He produces some of their, um, you know, their, their sweepers and zingers and stuff like that. He was working from home for months and, you know, eventually was able to go back to work. And it was like, oh, thank heavens, I can see people again in the flesh, not just on a screen or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty, pretty tough time. Yeah, uh, my son is, um, he got sent home in March uh, from his job. So did I. Uh, for two months, I worked from home. And then toward the middle of May, we got back in the office and we've stayed there since. Mm. Uh, doing everything right uh, you know every day when I walk into the building someone takes my temperature uh, yeah. they ask the questions had you have an un have you do you have a have you had a fever have you been exposed to anyone with COVID do you have an unusual cough or shortness of breathing mm. and um, but my son is still working remotely and yeah. uh, <sighs> you know and it's just um, I mean for the first week or so it was kind of cool and yes. If, yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and and but after a while, you're like, okay, I, I'm kind of ready to get back to normal. So uh -huh. yeah, I, I I hear you. Yeah, um, not easy. All right. So I always like to go to the beginning. So talk about Cliff growing up. Um, where did you grow up at? And was there music playing in your house when you were a kid? 
Yes, yes and no. I grew up in Perth in Western Australia. Actually, I, I spent my first 17 years there. I have no intention of actually growing up. I figure that okay, you know, getting, right. get, yes. get, 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 getting old is, is not an option, but growing up certainly is, and I have no intention Absolutely. of doing that. But, yeah, I, I always wanted to be in radio. 1972, when I said that I wanted to get on the radio, I was like, what, really? Uh, but I left home. I was just short of my 18th birthday when I left home for my first job. At home, there was... There was sometimes music, but not a lot, not a lot. I mean, we used to play music. My, uh, my, my dearly departed father hated Joe Cocker, hated Slade, and when we used to listen to that because really in a lot of ways, early 70s was music that I loved, like the glam rock era, T-Rex, David Bowie, um, Slade, and some of those others. And then it went into other things after that, and my musical tastes have changed. Bruce has always been there since 1975, but... My old man didn't, he, he didn't, I don't know if he really got, no one got it at the start. I started talking about Bruce and people are like, really? I'd play Born to Run for them. And they're like, really? And I said, this guy is going to rule the world one day. He will one day be king of the world. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And I can remember at announced to school, I was only 17, and there was one night we were allowed to take three records to produce like uh, a mini show. Now, right. I don't for the life of me remember what the other two were, but one of them was Bruce Springsteen, uh, Born to Run. And I worked out this great long introduction. I think it should never talk about that, talk over that introduction these days. But at the time, I thought it was really cool to be able to talk up to the, the, the vocal. And I can remember looking on the other side of the glass at the other guys in the, because they were all much, much older than me, in the other side of the studio and the guys in the control room. And one guy looked at me and he said, what in the name of everything is this when I was playing Born to Run? And I said, this guy is going to be king of the world. Well, for a long time, it was like that. And then suddenly 1984 came along, born in the USA, and everyone's going, oh, who's this new bloke, Springsteen? <laughs> well, and I'm like, oh. Oh, I, I love the story. Um, you, are, uh, I, you and I are about the same age. Uh, yeah. I was born in 59, so um, I am 61. Yeah. And I grew up, um, as I've shared many times on the podcast, with a lot of in, in Louisiana, and my parents were into country music yeah. and a lot. And so it was not, you know, and I did not discover rock and roll till I had my own little AM clock radio that mm. was next to your bed. So you would listen to the radio. Had um, one of those. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And, um, and and I do remember the coolness of um, like Chicago, Color My World, that mm. long piano intro, and the DJ would just time it perfect where right at the end, Chicago, Color My World on KLOU as time, you know, and I mean, just yes. that at the time, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. We do too. We do too. And still now, if I get to do see, I'll give away I'll give away a secret here. I record most of my show for reasons of timing more than right. anything else, because there are certain marks that I have to hit absolutely on the button. Otherwise, you know, another station doesn't get its news or something like that. But even right. now, I mean, if I if I put my 
announcement up to the vocal. Then when I get to hear it back, it's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But the worst, the worst thing is when you're listening to the radio and somebody tries to do that and they crash the vocal. Because yes. I'll be driving like, oh, what are you doing? You oh, class? no. Yes, what are you absolutely. Doing? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it's a nightmare. So you, you got into Bruce pretty early. Um, yeah. So what, how did you discover him? So On you said 75. Okay. On the radio, I used to I used to go to bed, and I, because I was enamored with, I, I tried to get a job in 1975 uh, on air, but I was only like 15, and I hadn't finished my high school certificate, which I did finish, and it was completely and utterly useless to me. But that's another story for another time. Uh, but I I would have a radio, and I would go to to bed and listen to this radio till all hours of the night. At night time, of course, you can pick up different stations. And I used to think it was really cool to be able to pick up the Bunbury station. And now here I am. I've worked here for nearly 30 years. But then, uh, you know, other stations are like, oh, I, I, I picked up so-and-so. Oh, this is really cool. And then one night I heard Born to Run. And from, from uh, Ernest Boom Carter's first drum and then the guitar's like, what is You know, it... It's a cliche, but it was literally, what is that? Who is that? And, you know, the production on that, a little muddy, some of it, and coming through this tiny little speaker in my radio certainly do, didn't do it any justice at all. But, you know, then when I heard those first lyrics in the day we sweated out on the streets of a runaway American dream, and it literally, I was 15 going on about 12, I think, um, but, but it, it just went bang straight through me. And from then... I was trying, you would have done it as well, where you listen to the radio and you wait there with the play button and the record button because you've got to record a song. And then if the guy talks over the end, it was like, oh, shut up. Yes. Um, But but I would listen to the radio to wait for this, to see if this song came on. But, of course, at the time, Bruce was half past nowhere, despite the first two albums being out. So it wasn't on, on high rotation. So then if I would hear it and be like, yes, 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 start again, I'd run around, I'd try and find someone and say, come listen to this, come listen to this. And sometimes they would, and sometimes I'd go away. Uh, and you know, and sometimes they would listen to it, and I'd get the same response: "Geez, who is that?" Uh, but I, you just wait, just wait, and there, and, and that was it. Yeah. You know, um, this summer, um, Bruce, and and I, I know you guys have not got to hear uh, as many of them as us of the uh, the E Street Radio from my home to yours. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. That I've been able to download some of them. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. And uh, the, he did one that was, you know, starting like at eleven o'clock at night, and mm. everyone was just convinced that he was going to announce a record or something. And no, he just wanted to do a, a late night show. Yeah. And I remember being in bed with my iPhone with my Sirius app, listening to it with the lights off, and I did mm. feel like a teenager again listening Absolutely to the correct. radio yep. you know I, I that had that feeling it uh, takes you back yeah yeah it does it does um so you're you're an early convert cliff you think that this guy you know you're you're a, you're australia's version of john londau i've seen the future rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> and it's bruce springsteen right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i wish i i wish i could show you uh I've got a, a picture, one of the pictures on my wall in the, the lounge room is a signed copy of Born to Run. 
and I've put some more pictures and stuff around it. And the plaque at the bottom has got those words from Mr. Landau, you know, da, 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 you know, and its name is Bruce Springsteen. And every time I look at it on my wall, because I've got, hang on, let me think, I've got, I've got that one there. I've got Born in the USA signed over there. I've got, I've got East, I've got, um, oh, scissors, uh, uh, Wild the Innocent and Asbury Park signed. They're in my office, but I don't have any wall space to put them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every time I see that plaque, it's like, yeah, the future of rock and roll. That's it. That's, that's great. So you kind of already talked about this. So you're following everything. Are you going to record stores there and oh, yeah. trying to find, you know, wh- what has this guy, uh, you know, put out? Mm. Initially, it was Born to Run. I can still remember. I can still see it right now. When when I saw it on the, uh, this was uh, early, uh, sorry, about maybe mid-76 thereabouts. I was in Kalgoorlie the gold mining town, I was working there and I went to, I'm sure it was Kmart and they had a record stand there and I saw the cover for Born to Run and I went, I must have that. And, I, you know, in the radio, I still make two thirds of nothing, but we do it because we'd kill our grandmother for the right to be on the radio. But I said, I have to have that record. I think it cost me six ninety nine. I think about 6.99 and I took it home and I, I listened to all of it and the first time that I you know that little sound you get when you put the the, the record needle on you get that yes before it starts magical and then the bits between the songs too and I listened all the way through when I heard Jungle Land I cried the first time there you are I didn't admit it um, so that that was yeah that that was that was it and then I started looking for some of the other stuff and I didn't I didn't initially get right into stuff like Asbury Park, uh, but did afterwards. And Wild the Innocent is one of my all-time favourite albums. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that was it. But it all, it all started with Born to Run. So, you know, it's, this is half a world away. Um, what, you know, and I, I, you're going to have to tell me, um, when was the first time he toured... Australia. Uh, I, I, I can't remember if I saw a tour before Born in the USA. I think Born in the USA was the first tour okay. of, of Australia. I think there might, I don't think there was anything prior to that. And I remember getting on the bus. We, we went on a Greyhound bus, literally, from Kalgoorlie. We got on at about midnight. My then wife was pregnant with my now son. And we, we went on the bus over to Sydney, took, I think, two and a half days to get there. And then I saw the concert the next night. I only had one ticket for one show. Saw the concert. Then the next morning, we got on the bus and went back home again. So that was, uh, that was, that was Born in the USA tour, which would have been, what, 85, thereabouts. That was, the, that was the first time I saw him. And then he did a whole bunch of shows but didn't come to Western Australia. Uh, and, and I just, I didn't have the wherewithal to be able to, because it's horrendously expensive to, to fly yeah. from one side of the country to the other. But then in, in 2013, he did another show at what would have been the, now that would have been High Hopes, I think. Yes. Yeah, it would have been High Hopes. And, and my now wife and I flew over to Melbourne to see the show. And shortly after that, there was talk of, that he was coming back next year with a, with a new album with Wrecking Ball. 
And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, it's taken ages and ages and ages. And you, you think he's going to tour twice. You're going, to come, you're going to come all the way down here with everything twice in a year. Yeah, fat chance. Well, then it happened. And he announced the first show. Uh, in, in fact, it turned out there were three concerts in Western Australia. And Jesse, I don't know if you got it. I sent over to you um, a, a picture of me with my son. Yes. That, that, well, that was taken at that very first show for Western Australia. And I got to tell you, it was so funny because he's a muso and we'll probably get to him. But about the first hour, I said to Chris, I said, look, look at all these people down here. I said, there's no movement. Because the first hour was basically for the fans. Because he did E Street Shuffle, he did Kitty's Back, uh, he did a bunch of other stuff, the early stuff. I, I think he did Hard to Be a Saint in the City. And I said, look, they, they don't know this stuff. Right. And then afterwards it started to kick. But I was just having the best time. And I've got the CDs from all of the shows. But that very first show was, uh, was pretty special because I was able to take him to the concert. So that was good. That is very nice. Um, I always like to preface this. The amount of times you've seen Bruce isn't a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are because economic situations, location, living in yeah. another country. So, but for the record, do you know how many times you've seen him? Yeah, eight. 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 There's, been, there's been six shows in Western Australia. I've seen each of those. I've seen him in Sydney, saw Melbourne, I think, yeah, that'll be it. Yeah, that's okay. it. But 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 I gotta tell I gotta tell you, Jesse, there is one fellow I know and his son have been lifelong fans of Bruce. They have done two entire Australian tours. And as far as I know, they did one Australian slash New Zealand tour where they went to every show. So I, I will tell you, I remember when he was touring uh, for either Wrecking Ball or High Hopes, one or the other, right? Um and I remember, like, I've, I've heard, I've bought the downloads, right, where yeah. um, he says it's effing hot in here, you know, because, mm. you know. That would have been Adelaide. Yes, exactly. Yep. And um, and at the time, the company I was working for, the CEO was at work every Saturday. And mm. he was, he's very successful. And I, you know, I looked at my friends and I go, okay, you know, he's in his late 60s. He has more money than he can do. I, <laughs> if, if I had that option, I would be, I would be flying to Australia, New Zealand, and mm -hmm. just seeing every show I can. And mm -hmm. in between shows, just sightseeing, seeing that part of the world, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it's kind of, and, and I realize it's, your country is bigger. Like if you, if you're from a smaller country, you don't realize, right. How big the U S is or how big Australia is. Mm. Um, so, but I'm like, yes, I, I don't understand that. So that's, that's pretty cool. Mm. Did um, you've told a couple, but do you have a couple other stories about the shows? Oh man. I got to tell you that, 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 that uh, first show I said to Chris, look, Bruce always hangs around. So, I'm going to do what I possibly can to, to say hello, if possible. So I was waiting. I knew where the stage door was, and that was at the back. It was behind a gate. It was a big parking loading area at the back of the uh, arena in Perth. So I'm standing there with Chris, and there was a security guy there. 
And it didn't dawn on me. There were a couple of things that just didn't dawn on me until late where I went, oh, uh, they were never going to come out of that gate where we were standing because there was no way that they would have been able to get from there to the road. They would have had to go across about 100 feet of footpath. So they were never going to go out of there. Um, but I'm standing there and uh, and this guy walks out. We've been there for a good while. And this fellow walks out. He had jeans, boots on and, and a jacket and sunglasses. And I just recognised. I thought, oh, my God, that's it. I said, hey, bros, bros. And, and he turned around and waved. And I said, can I shake your hand? And he just waved and got in the car. And I thought, oh, well, I got an acknowledgement anyway. So that was okay. And the security guy said, um, they'll come out around there, around the, the back. And I, ju I just ran. I left Christopher there and I just ran <laughs> down the street and around the corner and then down the back. And blow me down, the van was there. And Big Tony, uh, I can't remember his surname, his security guy. Right. Lovely man. Tony says, slow down, sir, slow down, take it easy, take it easy, it's okay. And I'm looking and Bruce was in the car. Now, my phone had died earlier that day. So I had no way of getting any photos or anything like that. Chris wasn't there. Um, but I did get him to sign my ticket. And, and I said, you know, can I shake your hand? And so he did. And there's a photo of me and all you can recognize is the is the bracelet that i've got on and i can tell everyone there you go that's the first time that i met bruce he was in the car <laughs> yes. uh, but then after, after that it's like midnight or something and i couldn't ring anyone because it was too late and my phone was yeah. dead anyway so i couldn't i couldn't ring anyone but it was it was really cool there and then the next night i mean the next night i went back because I knew where he was going to come out. So I went back and I had uh, The Wild, The Innocent, and I, I got him to sign that for me, which was really nice. He was in the car. Uh, and then the next night, uh, which I think was a Friday night, he didn't hang around for too long. And I, I got there. There was a lot of people there by that stage. Anyway, so the car took off and and then it stopped. And I thought, here's my chance. And everyone was getting him to sign Born in the USA. And, and, I, and I, I just yelled out, Bruce, I've got Asbury Park. And so uh, he said, oh, here, here, here. So I got him to sign it for me. So I got that. Oh, and then, nice. Yeah. And then the other the other people who I'd said, hey, I'm going to get this signed. is like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, good luck. I went back to the hotel where we were staying and went, here you go. Got that one as well. <laughs> so, uh, so that that's was awesome. It, yeah. yeah, cool. That, that's, that's very cool. Did um, – I, I can only imagine you shared a little bit, I mean, the excitement, right, of you – You've been a fan of him for close to 10 years. Mm. And, you know, the idea, I'm going to finally see this guy perform. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. yeah, that was in Sydney. That was in Sydney in yeah. 85. And I still can't remember a lot of it, but I can remember when he walked on. Because, Jesse, just as you say, I've been following this guy forever. And there were a whole bunch of people in the audience who, who went, oh, Who's this new bloke, Bruce Stringbane? You know, we yes. don't know who he is. Let, let's see what he's got. He's going to play Born in the USA. So, of course, the first song was Born in the USA. Uh, excuse me, that's my phone. Uh, it's never the Lotteries Commission who call me. No, yeah, exactly. Um, but but there, there were some people who were really, after the 2014 tour and then after the 2017 tour, because I think in Perth he did Born, Born in the USA once. And all these people were really dirty. They were like, oh, he didn't even sing this or he didn't even sing that. Well, you know, why didn't he sing that? And it's like, oh, gee, you must be his biggest fan. And uh -huh. even 
you know, the, for all of those shows that I that I saw, the three shows in, in 2014 and the three shows in 2017, I went back and had a look at the set list. And across all of the shows, I think there were about eight songs that were done every night. And all the rest was varied. And people say, oh, how can you go and see them eight times? Well, every single show is different. In some way or another, it's different. You're going to get this. You're going to... I waited 42 years and seven seven shows to see Jungle Land. Right. So, and you know, and there, I don't remember ever seeing Racing in the Street. Uh, so, I really want to see that one day. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll edit this out because my poor listeners are tired of this story. But um, <laughs> the we were going to the Houston we were, we were doing a he was doing a show in Houston and uh this was at the High Hopes uh tour mm. and um and it was a good show it was a really good show he he did a couple of things that um you know he did one step up uh, oh. as a sign request um the Flores brothers which I've had on the show had us you know I busted my brother out of class can we sing no surrender with you and yeah they get up on the stage and they sing with bruce and the band and have a great time but so it's after the show and um i you know i had gone to the restroom my wife had gone the way to the restroom i'm waiting for her to come out and there was this very drunk lady and was like is it over like <laughs> yeah it's over i said you know he did close you know a little over three hours but he didn't play Born in the USA. That's his biggest hit. I said, well, he doesn't always play Born in the USA. Yeah. But it's his biggest hit. And so I have told the joke multiple times that since then, any time, I've, I've gone to like four or five shows since then. And every time, if he plays Born in the USA, I tweet and somewhere there's a drunk lady in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah. but yes yeah, I mean like one of my one of my dear friends who I used to work with here went to that first show in Perth hated it hated it because he didn't know the stuff and he yes. was one of like oh I didn't even think Born of the USA I'm like mate he might not sing it while he's while he's in Perth and then I was telling him about how it took me seven shows to see Jungle Land yeah and, and you know and every show is different it's like when people I watch Twitter sometimes I don't know why I keep I keep saying Cliff, don't look at the comments. Don't look at the comments. Yeah. But anyway, so someone will, someone will talk about Bruce and and get stuck into him for his political views. And it's like you know, if you don't know by now what the situation is in the lay of the land, you really are the biggest fan of the E Street Band, aren't you? Hey, yeah. we're lucky to have you. Well, um, I got so a couple of things. Um, I have done the same thing, like the. I, I compared three shows and I did it on Excel and, you know, and I saw that during this tour, only 60% of the songs were the same every night, you know? Mm. And so when we went to our first show in 2002, it was a rising tour oh. and um, Linda did not know anything. You know, she had not heard the rising. Um, she, you know, he did, I believe he did work on the highway, which is one of her favorite songs. Mm -hmm. uh, so she was, you know, she was kind of at the end. I didn't know anything. And <laughs> I actually felt a little bit the same way because while I had bought the rising, I had not 
played it over and over again obsessively, right? I, I, mm. I this was, I was still kind of a casual fan, Cliff. And then yeah. seeing him live, I've told the story multiple times that it was like I walked into the middle of a movie that I loved, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand all the intricacies. I didn't understand the plot. I knew that I was fascinated by this movie. And so, and I wanted more. Yeah, that's and, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when in 2012, when we were going to go to our second show and we went up to Cleveland, Ohio, um, we practice. In other words, she had listened to Wrecking Ball multiple times and <laughs> really liked a lot of songs. And then I had played other songs for her. And in fact, when we were driving up, I would play a song and she would Google the lyrics. And, mm. and then at the show, she still looked over to me and goes, I don't know this one. Why didn't you prepare this one? And I had to explain to her, okay, in any given night, at the best, you know, and this was before the last river tour, right? When he mm. was doing the full river. I yes. said, at best, he's doing 50, 60% of the songs. So, mm. you know, there's going to be 40, 50% that change every night and you don't know that he's going to do it. That's part of the joy of seeing him so many times. That's exactly right. Yeah. You just, it's like a box of chocolates. Yes. You never know what you're going to get. Absolutely. And the, um, and you know, that's where the name of this podcast came from is the idea that we, in, in our own way, we're all set lusting when we hear what someone else has heard, you know, we're, we're, it's not that we're jealous of you. We're happy. You got the song. We're just, damn, I wish I could have been there. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Mm. you're like, um, do not, actually, I do know why. Um, I went to school. uh, My college was McNeese state university and Jolie Blanc was our fight song. Every time a, um, our football team scored a touchdown, they play Jolie Blanc. And so when I heard Bruce doing Jolie Blanc, I'm like, wait a minute, what he's doing this Cajun song. Uh, <laughs> and so I would, I would love to hear that live. I mean, that's one of the songs I'm chasing, which I know is a rarity. And to see that he did it as a sign request there in Australia. Right. That, yeah. and, and I, I, I know I, I cannot count the amount of times that I've Googled that video and watched them where, you know, very obscure, very obscure, good call, <laughs> good call. Mm. Um, and it seems like he loves playing Australia, New Zealand. Oh yeah. Oh, he loves it for sure. There's uh, you would, you would have seen the thing that they did with uh, highway to hell, the ACDC song. Yes. Okay. So this, as far as I know, how it has, Come about, and and we might we might get to my my boy, who's a, a drummer, and he's done a couple of tours with Tom Morello, and he actually asked him about. This. Oh, nice. Now, okay, very yeah. nice. So here, here's the story: Tom Morello, late at night, figures uh, is told that Bon Scott, the former lead singer of ACDC, was a Perth boy, Fremantle boy actually, not far from Perth, and his marker is at the Fremantle Cemetery. So, and I've still got the picture. I'll have to get it out and I'll, I'll send it over to you, Jesse. But there's a picture of Tom Morello late at night, really late at night at Bon Scott's grave marker, okay? And he, the next day, said something to Bruce and Bruce said, well, maybe we should do a tribute. And that was when they did Highway to Hell. And I'm sitting there 
and it's a in the dark. Yeah. And I went, that's not ACDC. Yes, it was. Highway to Hell. It was fantastic. And that's that's the story that I heard of how it came about. It was thanks to Tom Morello. Well, and right, like they opened a lot of shows with songs from a local band, right? They did mm. Staying Alive. They Yes, in Brisbane, uh, yes, for the BGs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and um, which I I've I just a couple weeks ago I had a massive BG fan on the show and his episode's gonna come out in January. Um, mm. so it'll probably people have heard it by the time they're listening to your episode. And mm. he was talking about how much he loved that cover. Um, but <laughs> The downside is he was there when Barry did I'm on Fire. Oh. He was at that show and Jeez. he said, and I was disappointed because I have a hundred BG songs that I want to hear. And he's <laughs> he's taking one of the slots on a cover. <laughs> and and I said, as a Springsteen fan, I feel your pain. I said, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, you know, uh, I have one of my best friends is like, okay, like, can we do without born to run and give me another, you know, song. And, and I go, Sam, no, because I said, first off, you know, I love hearing born to run, but secondly, someone's show is their first show. Every show is someone's first show. And the reality is if you go to see Bruce Springsteen and you don't hear born to run, you know, you're going to be pretty disappointed. You've got it. I mean, it's one of those things that it's kind of difficult for an artist in a way because there are songs that they absolutely have to play. Right. And, you know, and, and if Bruce did a show and, and he didn't play Born to Run, then there'd be something wrong. Uh, you know, it'd be like going to a Don McLean concert and going, well, I don't know why, but he didn't do American Pie. That's a bit strange, isn't it? You know, it's, it's one of those weird things. But it's really hard because, you know, when did the first album come out? 72, 73. And yeah. we're, you know, we're about... 50 years down the track, that's a lot of albums, a lot of material, uh, and you can't have it all. You can't. I you mean, can. the, the, shows, the shows are three and a half, four hours long now. What do you want to do? You want to stay there for eight hours? Many yeah. of us would go, yes. Yes, exactly, right? We would. That, that ain't going to happen, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I believe um, it, I'm going to get this wrong, so forgive me and my Simpsons fans out there will uh, correct me, but there is a, um, there was uh, Millhouse is like this huge um, Springsteen fan. Right. Yep. And, um, and he's going, Oh, I didn't think that he goes to see Andy Williams. He's like, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. I didn't think it. And then he did. He did Moon River. You know, and, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it was the last encore. And it's like, right. It, uh, it, so absolutely, you know, where do you put, you know, how do you, you're going to do Born to Run. And, and I think yeah. part of the joy he does is figuring out a set list of you know where do you put that in there and Mm. then as a fan we're sitting there going okay we're toward the end the second you know the toward the end of the set if he's starting to play that and oh let's what else is he going to give us it's amazing um 
I had so much fun talking to Cliff that I'm going to split the episode into two parts. That way it isn't an hour and a half. Uh, Come back uh, in two days. You'll hear Cliff talk about his son, his daughter-in-law, their musical journey, and of course, the Mary question. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.